All right, we're going to be continuing uh, again a uh, study that I did at the uh, camp this summer. All right, David, are we up and moving? Oh, we are. So uh, those of you who know all the answers, like Hannah and Hannah, just relax, it'll be fine. Um, but uh, it was, a, I thought, a good study, so I decided we'd go through it. The, the key word is proclaim, the key word proclaim. And, uh, of course, these are proclaimers. I'm going to ask, actually, if Zach and Justice would both stand up as they served as our proclaimers. You guys, no, you're going to lean, huh? I think maybe next week the hat should come on. But, uh, you know, proclaimers, their job is to announce, right? They're supposed to make noise, draw attention for a purpose. All right, and so when we think about what God has called us to do as followers of Messiah Yeshua, our responsibility is to proclaim, to make known God's good news. All right, God's good news, obviously, is that relationship with Him is found through personal acceptance of Messiah Yeshua's atonement. One cannot come into right relationship with God until they personally acknowledge their sin and personally accept Yeshua's atonement through his shed blood for the payment of that sin. But you know, there is a lot more that God has done that's part of his Besorah. It's not just that people come into right relationship with him, it's the fact that God ultimately is going to make all right, all right? All will be right in the end. And so there's a, a variety of things to focus on. But uh, what we decided to do was to in this uh, set, uh, series of talks at camp, and now uh, what I'm doing here, is focus from a, a verse. Uh, the verse being Isaiah 52, 7, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of... In fact, let's say it together, shall we? How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who announces shalom, who brings good news of happiness, who announces salvation, who says to Zion... Your God reigns. Do you know God reigns? Sometimes it doesn't seem like he's reigning in Chicago with all the craziness going on with the killings and all this. But, you know, actually, no, God reigns. God is in control. What does that mean? He is sovereign. We're going to talk about that later. Last week we talked about the fact that we have a message to bring to people. The fact that God brings peace, wholeness, wholeness into our lives. When we come into relationship with God, we can experience, we experience the wholeness, the shalom of God, and that we need to proclaim that to people. We need to let people know that. This morning, what we're going to do is focus on the aspect of good news. Uh, that's what are the good news of good. <laughs> it's not... There's a lot of bad in the world right now, a lot of craziness in the world right now. But isn't there a need for news of good? All right? This, uh, this is going to be our focus for today. Uh, we're going to be talking about proclaiming God's happiness, that God, that God brings happiness into our lives. Now, I know that's kind of a, a, a buzzword, right? Happy is like a buzzword. And so the question really is, what is happiness? What really is happiness? And I decided I would show a video. It might seem crazy what I'm about to 
Okay, back to the screen. <clears throat> oh. All right, gentlemen. Very good. Okay. Now, if you study that video, you will agree that the video is full of, full of situational happiness. All right? I mean, uh, there's a lot to be said from the video. What is happiness? Enjoyment, cheerfulness? Isn't that happiness? I mean, uh, the, the Cubs have won a position now in the playoffs, and people are happy, all right? If the Cubs had not won a place in the playoffs, people would be unhappy, all right? So happiness, in a sense, is a fun personal experience that emotionally makes us feel good for a period of time. In one sense, happiness is kind of narcissistic. It's all about me. In fact, if you go back to that video, happiness is a room without a roof. Well, I can understand that in a sense, right? I mean, we blow the roof off of something. But what happens when it rains? It's a little problem there, right? There's limitations to happiness without a roof. Happiness is the truth. Happiness is the truth for you, if that's what you want to do. You know, I mean, when you look at that video and you think about the words really deeply... It's kind of a sick song, to be honest with you. Because it's all emotionalism built on situational situations. A lot of narcissism. If you noticed, even in some of those clips, one kid is having fun with one thing is having fun, and the other thing takes the fun away from him. Does that mean that happiness is when you steal from someone else, you get the enjoyment of that? Now, I'm picking on a stupid song <clears throat> because, it, you know, I think they didn't, what's his name? It was uh, Pharrell, right? He, he was sued because he actually stole the music from somebody else. Isn't that the song? But the point is this. The world in which we live encourages a happiness that, if nothing else, is temporary. It's temporary. And that's Happiness. That's not God's happiness, all right? That's not what God is providing for us. It's not what he wants for us. God has something much better for us. And that's what I want to talk about today. Because God's happiness has some depth to it. God's happiness has some depth to it. God's happiness brings contentment and satisfaction. And we're going to look at a passage of Scripture today that I think will help us with that. It's important, especially if you a, a, saw me give this message at camp, you want to pay attention because some parts are a little bit different than what you might remember. All right? So God's happiness brings contentment and satisfaction. And contentment's a little hard in our society, right? Contentment, the problem with contentment in our society is iPhone 7, and you've only got an iPhone 4. But iPhone 7S is going to come out next year. And you just bought a 7. Hard to be content in our world, isn't it? You know? Some of us, the contentment comes because when we were kids, we were forced to excel and exceed, and we were never allowed to be content because other people didn't know how to be content. 
But really the problem in our world today is we're never satisfied. We always want more. Our whole society is built on this. God provides, though, for people real contentment. The best or the good news that God provides happiness, contentment. That's what, again, I want us to focus on. So God's happiness comes when we rejoice in who God is, even when everything around us is going bad. God's contentment, God's happiness comes when we rejoice in who he is. It's not about us and our circumstances. Really, at the root of it is knowing God. Knowing God. Being in relationship with God brings contentment. Because rarely do things stay good. Maybe things will be good for a little while. School's going along. It's the beginning of the semester. Everything's great. And then you have to do that 15-page paper. Suddenly, things are going bad. Now, as I've said before with God's peace or his shalom, God's happiness comes only to those seeking to be in relationship with God. God's happiness is only found really with, by desiring God, desiring to know him, seeking. And that word seeking there is intentional. It means intentionality, and it means emotion, and it means will. Seeking out a deepening relationship with God. So we're going to look at a text. We're going to look at the entire book of Habakkuk. But we're going to focus in on just these couple of verses here. Uh, the book of Habakkuk is great because Habakkuk, what's his name in Hebrew, Habakkuk lived at a time right uh, at the tail end of the uh, monarchy of, of Judah. He lived probably around 610, uh, something like that. Uh, it's hard to know exactly when the book was written, but pretty much somewhere around 610, 605. And the book is a lament at the beginning against sinful, wicked Israel. More than likely, uh, Habakkuk was a uh, priest, uh, a leader in the, uh, the community in, Judea, in uh, Jerusalem. Uh, and so he had a bird's eye view of all the corruption that's been going on. It was still the revival period of Josiah. But you know, one of the things that you notice if you've read the text is that Josiah's revival didn't seem to go very deep. Didn't last. The king wanted to follow God, and so he was able to facilitate a revival, but it didn't really seem like it, it sunk too deep into the lives of the common people. And so Habakkuk, in the midst of this revival, really did want to seek God and was seeking God, and he saw the wickedness that still existed in the land and he cried out to God and he asked God to judge the wicked and God's answer was sure I'm going to judge the wicked I'm going to use the Babylonians to come over and judge wicked Israel and Habakkuk got all bent out of shape he's like you're not going to use them they're really wicked why would you use the really wicked Babylonians to punish not so wicked kind of wicked but not so bad kind of wicked Israel and they go back and forth, and God ultimately says, don't argue with me, <laughs> this is going to happen. And it's, of course, in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4, that it's, that it's uh, one of the key verses in all the Scripture. It says, the proud person, his heart is not good in him. That puffed up person, that's, that's ter that, that individual is absolutely uh, sinful and, uh, and not in good standing with me. But then he says, but the one 
who lives his life by faith, the righteous one who lives his life by faith, will be righteous. That individual is good. One who lives his life by faith. And uh, from that, there's a change in the entire book. And God then goes on and he talks about judgment. Not only judgment against Israel, but then he talks about judgment against the Babylonians. God promises to judge sin. One of the reasons we should desire to be in relationship with God is that when we come into relationship with God through our faith in Messiah Yeshua, our sins are forgiven. All right? We are not in, in anima, we're not in a, uh, in a position now of opposition to God. Instead, God looks at us as righteous because we've accepted our Messiah Yeshua. But God is still going to punish sin. Have you ever considered that some of the craziness that we're beginning to see in our country is because God has begun to turn us over to ourselves? It's a possibility. I'm not going to say that it is or it isn't. The pattern of Scripture is God ultimately will bring judgment upon wickedness. And if we look at history, it seems like God ultimately does it. Usually what happens is wicked people, things just kind of implode in kind of like a roof that's allowed to, to become, uh, you know, uh, little by little, uh, eaten away over time and, and corrupted or whatever, however the right term would be, Mr. Structural Engineer over there. But the bottom line is, is that after a while, corruption will lead to destruction. Sinful corruption will lead to destruction. Yet, we come to the very end of the book of Habakkuk, and he has something to teach us that we need to listen to. It says in the text, Though the fig tree does not blossom and there's no yield on the vines, though the olive crop fail and the fields produce no food, the flock is cut off from the fold and there is no cattle in the stalls, yet will I triumph in Adonai. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Adonai, my Lord, is my strength. He has made my feet like a deer's and will make me walk on my high places. First part of this text seems pretty negative. Seems bad. You bought the wrong investment. You decided to buy corn or some other commodity product two or three years ago, assuming an increase. And all there's been is a decrease. You bought oil at $120 a barrel. And it sold, what is it? Yes, it is $42, $43 a barrel. Things not going right. Maybe, you, you know, your uh, house was broken into. Uh, maybe you're driving your car and somebody smashed into it. Worse yet, somebody smashed into it while it was parked and didn't leave a note. Things totally beyond your control. Things you didn't cause upon yourself. All these terrible things that he speaks about here, you would almost think Habakkuk would have the right to say, I can be miserable. I have the right to be miserable. Don't you feel you have the right to be miserable sometimes? Yet here what we see is he's saying, no, no, I will triumph and not die. I will rejoice in God. Despite all these things, his attitude, 
the framing by which he views the world is to glorify God, to rejoice in him. The Hebrew is interesting in uh, that it's very simple. When it says there that uh, uh, the first green, alozah, all right, the Hebrew there basically simply means exalt, exalt. In fact, both words really have that sense of, of like celebration. Celebration. When things go bad, do you celebrate? Seems a little strange. Seems a little odd. Doesn't seem normal. Yet the words literally at their core mean to be excited. How can you do that? How can you be excited when things don't go well? It's because the words also are embedded in between two statements about God and who God is. If you know that the circumstances in your life, and this is really critical, that the circumstances that may not be such good circumstances, they're not things that you did. It's not because you robbed a bank or you smashed up your car for texting while driving or something stupid, all right? That you didn't waste your money because you were acting foolishly. That you were going through your life as a follower of God, seeking Him, and things didn't go well, and you find yourself in a difficult circumstance. The only thing you can possibly recognize is the fact that God is still God. And to realize that because God is God, there is no situation that will come upon you that he will not give you the strength to endure and that God has a reason and a purpose for everything that occurs in our lives. That's why Habakkuk could talk about triumphing celebrating, exalting an Adonai, and rejoicing because he knows that no matter what occurs, God is going to bring him through it to fulfill God's purposes for his life. There's a happiness, literally, better word, a contentment and a satisfaction that occurs with that kind of a mindset. But what is key is being in relationship with God. Being in relationship with God brings contentment. If you do not seek to be in relationship with God, if you honestly, we talked about this last week, if on Tuesday morning you haven't given any thoughts of God since Shabbat morning, then you're not in relationship with God. You're not. Maybe you know about Yeshua. Maybe you know about God. Maybe you know about different aspects or theological thoughts from the scriptures. But it's not relationship. It's not relationship. You cannot understand God's contentment in bad circumstances if you're not in relationship with God. 
think it's one of the reasons there's such an emphasis in our world today about experience. Used to be when I would get a group on email, it would be all about half-priced food. It's not about that anymore, which is probably good because I eat less that way. It's all about half-priced or reduced-priced experiences. It's experiences. Why? People today kind of feel numb, don't they? Feel numb, busy, worn out, stressed out, live in a crazy world. Everybody's got their phone driving them nuts all the time. We want an experience, something new, something that makes us feel alive. Why? Because we're not satisfied with anything. Not satisfied. We're not content. Why? Because our entire society has turned its back on a relationship with God. In fact, too often, the typical believer has a much better relationship with their cellular device than they do with the people in their lives. And therefore, for sure, with their relationship with God. We are a society sorely in need of relationship, real, genuine relationship, starting with a relationship with God. And so this morning, this morning, if you are in this situation where you, you're not content and you're not satisfied, you have to really give some thought to what I'm speaking about when I talk about relationship with God. How is your relationship with God? You know, the, uh, I, I include on these notes. Now, I know the notes uh, just have a bunch of questions, but they're there to make you think. So, for instance, uh, the question, what makes you happy? What makes you happy? When's the last time you thought about that personally? What makes me happy? is when my phone doesn't go off. <laughs> it makes me happy. What makes me happy? Ribeye steak. Medium to medium well. Makes me very happy. What makes me happy is when my wife and I can sit and talk and I'm able to pay 100% attention and she feels like I'm paying 100% attention. Okay? It does make me happy. What makes me happy is being able to also spend time praying, talking with God, considering issues in my life and, and talking with him about it, sometimes arguing with him about it. What makes you happy? What makes you happy? What do you think helps you to experience God's happiness? What do you think? What helps you to experience God's happiness? Maybe Maybe that's helping somebody. Maybe for you, it's you, you just feel God's pleasure by, by helping others. That's a wonderful thing. Maybe what helps you experience God's happiness or contentment in your life is sitting down and listening to, to a, uh, a, a, some music that, is, that, that just allows you to focus your attention and worship upon God. Maybe you've never thought about whatsoever experiencing God's happiness. There's all kinds of things that can be evoked, can be, be thought about through these questions. I encourage you today, take time, make time through the week. 
contemplate, consider, chew on these questions for yourself. You know what's interesting? Going back to, I actually love this clicker. Uh, this Hebrew, this is, this is the imperfect form. All right, imperfect form, personal imperfect. I will triumph, I will rejoice. But it's not a one-time thing. It's imperfect. So it's actually a continual action. There are times in my, in my week where I have to continually remind myself to rejoice in the Lord. Because if I stop rejoicing, if I think I've rejoiced enough, or if I think that I can let go and not have to focus my attention on God and on His ways, I will get depressed. I will get overwhelmed. I think Bob and I were talking in my office before the service. There's so many things. We all have so many things going on in our lives. Let us continually focus our attention on the Lord our God. Let us continually rejoice in Him. Let us continually get excited about Him. But really what's also in this is that continual emphasis on relationship with Him. It's an imperfect. Not that it's imperfect, but it just keeps going on. And that's okay. So being in relationship with God brings contentment as we rejoice in who God is. And that last part, this preposition, in. I love prepositions. Preposition is anything a rabbit can do to a box. You can jump in the box, out of the box, over the box, through the box. It's about all I learned in uh, high school grammar. Okay? We do not need to rejoice in the circumstances we're in because sometimes that just is foolish. You know, I was with uh, Rachel's father, Larry, at the hospital. Larry's not happy that he has blood clots all throughout his body. <laughs> okay? Now, he's not a believer in Yeshua. He, though, and it's interesting, he was able in his mind to encourage himself with the fact that the doctors gave him good news. They said, it's not so bad. <laughs> Inject this thing and you're going to be okay. Now, uh, I'll have to be careful. His, his wife called, so Rachel's mother called. And all he said was blood clots. And she's like, ah! He's like, everything's good. Doctor said it's good. She said blood clots. What do you, she focused on the wrong thing. Sometimes in life we focus on the wrong things all the time. Too much. Let us focus on the right things. Fundamentally, let's focus on God and our relationship with him. And let's remember to rejoice in who he is. Not get caught up in the circumstances in our lives. It's important to remember in our lives that God is God. That the terrible circumstances and situations we go through, that's not God. That's just living in a sinful world. Let's trust in the Lord our God. Let's be encouraged in Him. Let's rejoice in Him. Because He's not going anywhere. But the circumstances, they will change. So, getting back to the big question for this entire discussion for the last couple of, last week and the next couple of weeks, what will you proclaim to others about God's happiness. Because really, God has provided an opportunity for us to look at life totally differently. He's provided through Messiah Yeshua forgiveness of sin. He's provided through our Messiah the opportunity for relationship with God. 
But because of all that, we have the opportunity to go through life not just seeking one experience after another, not just thinking, well, I'm going to jump off an airplane today for that experience, and next week I'm going to go climb to a high mountain and jump off a mountain like some of those crazy people do because I want to feel something. You don't have to do all that. You can experience God's contentment and satisfaction today by rejoicing in Him. But we need to proclaim that to people. Now, the question could be, and someone asked me this, who is my other? <laughs> if we're supposed to proclaim this to others, who are these others? That's a little amorphous, so not clear. Who are the others in your life? All right? Well, I figured I'd take a moment and I would think about it. Family. That is, of course, an other. Most of us have family members that are not followers of Messiah Yeshua. They're not interested in what we even have to say. But what can we creatively do to proclaim to them about God's Bessorah? Most of my family, they're, they're not believers in Yeshua. All right, Carla's family, not believers in Yeshua at all. Their lives are complicated and difficult and not happy. What can we do to, to speak about God's happiness to our family members? It's hard. But God expects us to do that. And maybe it's nothing more than to share about the contentment in our own lives. Friends. I met with a good friend of mine the other day. I'm thinking, what can I do to communicate any kind of God-oriented thought in my conversation? It's very hard. It was very hard. I was able only to be able to speak about the fact that I know that God is going to work out this one circumstance we were talking about. But this intentional desire that I had, I wanted to think about some way to communicate to this individual about the good news. Are all of our friends followers of Messiah Yeshua? Doubtful. What ways can you share with them? And not just us as adults, you guys in school, whether it's junior high or high school or college, upper elementary, I, junior high now, basically, middle school. What can we do to proclaim to our friends? And then coworkers. Most of our coworkers are not followers of Yeshua. They're not God-fearing people. Maybe religious, but probably not real followers of the God of Israel, what can we do to communicate with them about the amazing truth of the Bessorah, the good news? How about, though, our congregants? What about those people around you? Look around this room. This was a good suggestion made to me. Look around this room. Don't we all suffer at different times from the stresses and difficulties of life? What can we do to encourage one another? in God's happiness with satisfaction and contentment. What can we do to encourage one another? What can you do to encourage the person right in front of you, right in back of you, and to either side of you? That's an important part of what it means to be community. Neighbors, strangers, often, I remember, you know, all the years of doing outreach, Often we think about the stranger. What can I do to go tell the guy I don't know about something he's really not interested in hearing it? That's evangelism, you know? No. 
No. Really, the most important people we should be speaking with are the people we know. People that we know. People within our spheres of influence. You know, I pick on Jay because he just walked in the door. So I remember one time he shared with a student. I don't remember all the circumstances. Shared with a student, and the student came and connected. And although it didn't stick, that was definitely a proclamation. You know, think about the people we know that we can share with. I put strangers at the bottom on purpose because the odds are that's not the person we should be focused on. That's the, that's the odd situation. It's the people we know. We have the greatest probability of being able to encourage in regards to the besora, the good news. So, I encourage you, every once in a while I get a chance to help put all these back on the information table. I encourage you today to take one home and to use the questions for personal thought, to really ponder them. Because, remember, it's all about relationship, relationship with God and then proclaiming to others through our relationships about what God has done and how God has offered us hope. In this text, happiness, contentment, satisfaction through a relationship with him. So God wants us to let the people around us know about him and his good news through our own personal effort as God's proclaimers. Will you be one of God's proclaimers? Are you somebody, though, that has a relationship with God? If you do not understand what I'm talking about when I speak of relationship with God, I encourage you to talk with me today. Don't leave without talking to me. Because everything boils down to that important truth. Being in relationship with God. Because it's out of that relationship with God that God's happiness comes. And it's out of that happiness that we share what God has indeed done in our lives. So let's close in a word of prayer before we conclude with our final song. God, we thank you so much for the truth of your word. We thank you so much for the fact that despite all the terrible circumstances of life, the things that just happened to us, that we can rejoice in you and exult in you. And God, I pray that as we focus on knowing you more and more, and as we come into an ever deeper relationship with you, you that you would use us to proclaim to others, to make known to our friends and family the truth of who you are that we might encourage them and that they would come to know you as well. Again, we just thank you for your love and for our relationship with you through our faith in Messiah Yeshua. And we pray all this in Yeshua's name.